Part four of the Fates of the Princes of Dovard by Kenneth Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The story of Puil and Rhiannon, or the Book of the Three Trials. The first branch of it called The Coming of Rhiannon Renferch Hevaid. One, the making known of Gorseth Arbeth and the wonderful riding of Rhiannon well known to the chieftain as he rode forward towards arberth and the men of his tiley with him were every wood and glade and field and river and hill and vale in the land and if well known they were dearly loved by him and a gladness to his eyes when he saw them long it was since he had seen their like more pleasant was this journey to him than any journey he had ever made towards evening on the second day the road they would take ran through a valley as they came to the head of the valley suddenly the place was unknown and as if he had never seen it before where of old there had only been a rushy meadow in the middle of the valley and through the meadow the road and below that on the left as one rides towards arbeth a little noisy river now there was a high hill and on the top of it what seemed to be a great throne of rock the hedge ran between the road and the hill at one place there was a break in the hedge and a stile and from the stile a grassy pathway up to the throne on the hilltop a druid was coming down the path towards the road what hill is this said Pool. not one of them had heard so much as a sound or a rumour of it before that evening it would be well to ask the druid said they if any one will know he will soul said the holy druid the hill is called gorseth arberth the hill of the immortals it is for what reason has it been unknown hitherto said Pool. for what reason has there been no revealing it until now for the reason of its peculiarities truly there will be no making it known at any time unless one of the cymry should have won victories in annon what peculiarities are with it beyond that one said Pool. this peculiarity said the druid whoever ascends it and takes his place on the throne will not come away without either seeing some marvel or suffering blows and violence evil fall upon my beard said Pool pen annun unless i take my place there lord said they it will be well to ride forward not fitting for a prince of your dignity to meet with blows and violence let them fall on whomsoever may deserve them said Pool it will be an ill thing if wonders were for the seeing and we without the seeing them with that they rode to the top of the hill and dismounted and Pool penanon took his place on the throne and his men standing around him they saw the road running on below them westward to where the sun was setting between the far hills eastward it ran down the valley into the dusk the dark blossom of night was beginning to unfold over the sky there as they watched the gloom and purple beauty of that deep bloom there rose and glimmered a mist of light afar beneath the heart of it that moved along the road slowly towards them it came nearer and grew brighter it was of pale blue and rose colour and violet immortal music stole through the valley as it came then they saw that it was a princess riding on a proud matchless snow-white horse light shone from her as she rode among all the golden-chained daughters of the cymry clear it was to them 
that there would be no one to compare with her either for grace and beauty of aspect or for majesty and queenly dignity of bearing purple silk was her robe bordered with the colours of the snowdrop and the primrose it would have given light in a dark place very slowly trod her proud arch-necked long-maned high-stepping palfrey about her as she came the air quivered and glimmered into all the hues of the opal the rose-pearl and the amethyst along the roadside bloomed forth hyacinths and daffodils of flame mysterious daffodils and hyacinths and violets branches put out from invisible trees around her head and on them apple-bloom and almond-bloom of star-fire always around and in front and above and behind her shone and winged and sang and quaveringly twinkled three bright beautiful wizard-birds now paler and more glamorous than three moons in winter now richer than three clouds torn from the glory of the dawn as they drew nearer it was to be seen that the first of them was white and the second blue and the third hued like the rainbow of heaven whatever music might be heard there came from those three it was such that whoever heard it might listen for a thousand years and at the end it would seem to him no more than an hour that he had been listening poole bade one of his men go down and meet her on the road and give her the courtesy of a prince of the cymry and the greeting of god and man and ask her in what way the lord of the country she was traversing might serve her he strode quickly down the hillside with the slowness of her riding it was apparent that he would come to the stile before she would he came down to the road as he was mounting the stile she passed him he leapt down and followed her quickly walking she went no faster than at first slowly with high steps her swan-white horse went forward he began to run the more he ran the farther she was from him he put out his whole speed pursuing her and it was clear to them all that she never quickened her horse's pace they saw him run and run until she was no more than a faint cloud of beauty on the horizon made one she was at last with the whole glow and loveliness of the sunset the magic of her coming waned from the valley and they heard no music beyond the rippling and laughter of the river below them then they rose up and took horse and went forward musing into arberth but puil pen annan knew there would be no peace for him until he had heard tidings concerning that princess of the immortals the next day he rode out again and his men with him and they came to the gorsedh at the same time as before he had a swift horse saddled by the throne beside him and the best and lordliest of all his horsemen waiting in the saddle for whatever might befall no sooner had he taken his place on the throne and looked eastward along the road and down the valley than the twilight began to bloom in light and beauty there ten times more wonderfully than on the day before they saw the lady riding if there had been light from her before and a marvellous grace with her and glory of mien ten times more were they shining from her now the daffodils of pale and beautiful flame that bloomed beside the roadway the flame mists of forget-me-not the unfolding of the colours of the opal and the turquoise of the pearl and the amethyst and the diamond were all ten times more luminous and if her three birds had appeared like three moons or like three clouds out of the dawn now they were of such splendour 
that there is no likeness for them in the summer sky or the sunlit sea or the four quarters of the immense world while she was still a long way off the horseman set forward and away with him galloping down the hillside it was clear to even the least of them that she was riding even more slowly than before he leapt his horse over the stile but she had passed the stile before he could leap it he set spur to his horse and pursued her a very little way in front of him she appeared to be riding with slow proud high steps her beautiful palfrey journeyed forward as for the one that followed her for all the speed his horse could put out he came no nearer to her than at first indeed the faster he went the farther she was from him he made pursuit of her as long as he could see her she never went more than slowly yet was always dwindling and waning farther and farther away from him at the last she was one with the sunset again and he turned and rode back to pool and ten times surer was the chieftain that there would be no quietness of mind for him without his having heard any better tidings concerning the princess than he had heard until then the next day they rode out again when the sun was brooding in a sky of flame over the head of the valley pool pen annan took his seat on gorseth arbeth and turned his back to the sunset and his face towards the sombre empurpled budding forth of night in the east there in the midst of the dusk again arose that wonderment and many-jewelled luminance indeed and indeed now sorrow upon me if it was not as much as seventy times brighter and more wonderful than before he would trust no longer in any horse but his own or in any other rider than himself blodwyn stood waiting by his side well saddled she was and the saddle-cloth of purple about her with an apple of gold at each corner as was right and fitting for the saddle-cloth of a king well equipped for riding was pool penannan himself no sooner did the twilight glamorous valley begin to bloom in sprays of marvellous starry flowers no sooner did the low sweet melodious singing of the three birds begin to sway and whirl and steal forth and put dreams and delight and bewildering enchantment on the winds and the hills and the waters no sooner was the roadway lined afar with mystical daffodils and iris and lilac bending and dancing on a wind blown from no mortal land than he leapt up from the throne and to horseback and away with him in a thunder of hoofs towards the stile at that time she seemed to be far off more slowly than ever and with prouder steps her gleaming swan-white deathless palfrey bore her as for pool the sods were being knocked out of the turf by the pounding galloping hoofs of blodwyn and they were flying in the air about his head as he rode at one bound he cleared three spear-lengths of the hillside and the stile with them as he cleared it and came down into the road there the lady was magically having passed the stile before him at full speed he followed her slowly she went on and slowly waned from him in spite of his speed and vehemence and unappeasable eagerness to come up with her and in spite of the unhurried dignity of her riding at the last he saw her far off made one with the fading brightness in the west seven times he rode out and seven times saw her from the hilltop and followed here is the truth now about this matter 
however wonderful for beauty of soft flames and mysterious blossomings and for spreading swooning swaying glittering enchanting ambient glory of light and colour and song her last coming had been and however great and majestic and glorious the splendour and queenly dignity of herself with each evening they were seventy times or indeed more than that greater and more excellent till there would be no telling and no recounting and no finding a likeness for it the last time and were the best bard in the world setting forth the story or even gwydion abaddon himself for all his being gifted with the words of magic it is likely that he would pass this by with no more than making mention of it now here is what Poole did that seventh time of his pursuing her and he in amazement and exultation at the things that were made known to his vision clear to him had it become that speed would never bring him up with her not even if he had the speed of henwas sadainyaug in the ancient days against whom no four-footed beast could ever hope to run the distance of an acre much less could it go beyond it here is what he did then he called out to her as she was riding into the sky-glow far away in the midst of vanishing and beyond any ordinary hearing ah princess he cried evil fall upon my beard surely unless it is doing you a service i desire to be in a moment she had grown plainly visible to him in a moment she was there all in the wonder of her flamy shadowy beauty right before him on her white horse on the road it would have been better if you'd spoken to me before she said these nine times have i ridden through the world and through dovard to get word with you more often than that it would not have been permitted me to come for what reason do you desire speech with me if it please you to make it known i am rhiannon the daughter of hevaith hen she said my father has many lordships in the kingdom of the immortals it was desired of me that i should marry gwaul the son of clud the lord of an unknown region but i had heard a sound of the fame of the island of the mighty and it seemed better to me to take queenhood here not pleasing to me would be sovereignty in a realm without needs or sorrows as for the queenhood i desire to take it will be in dovard beyond that there is no mortal who may wed with the immortal kindred unless he has first won victories in the great deep of annan beyond the confines of the world of men i have won victories in annan such as they were said poole as for dovard and queenhood in it they are mine to give you if it is not beneath your dignity to take them from me there never was a prince in this island or sovereign wearer of the crown of london that had such honour paid to him as this i will make this known to you she said an honour it is and the crown of all advantages it will be to you this choice that you are making of me here is what the end of it will be to become one with the princes of beauty with the immortal kin and to have what star and mountain you will for your palaces and to rule in realms of imperishable excellence and to do service until the waning of the age of ages this is what the end of it will be as she spoke it seemed to him that the whole fate of the cymry was revealed to him whatever will be the end of it for you or for me it is known to me for whom it will be an advantage until the end of time unto the demetians 
and on to the whole race and kindred of the Cymri it will be that. Therefore, if it shall please you to ride with me, the throne shall not wait for you longer in Arberth than it may take us to come there. Not so, she said. Not until after a year and a day can I come to you. And you must know this, said she, before you undertake this adventure. It would be difficult for any man to gain me, and even if I were gained, sorrow might easily come of it. He who gained me would never come to be my equal in dignity, unless he were advised by me in all things, so that I might lead him as far as attaining immortality. The third time he might disobey me, he would lose me, and if he lost me, sorrow and long wanderings would be for him, and it is not known, even to the immortals, whether he would come to me again. Let what may come, come, said Poole. My will is to serve you, that you may bring what beauty and excellence you will into the island of the mighty. With that she told him how he should gain her. He should bring a hundred men with him to her father's court at the end of the year and the day, and he would find the wedding feast prepared. When she had said as much as that, it seemed to him that she gathered into herself the whole beauty of the blooms and birds that were about her, and that she shone for a moment more wonderfully than the dawn or the rainbow, or than the sunset over the sea when you are standing in the sands of Typhi, and the far hills of island bloom and glimmer upon the forehead of the evening, more beautifully than whatever is most beautiful. Then the light waned until it was gone, and Pool and Blodwyn were alone on the road. The sky was all softly glittering with stars, and no sign from them that might be heard. Beyond the lonely calling of an owl from the woodland, or the calling of a corncrake from the fields below the road, and the call and murmur of the river over its stones, and a whispering and tremor in the oak leaves, there was no music for the hearing in the world. He blew his horn, and his men came riding down to him from the head of Gorseth Arbeth, and together they rode back to the palace in the town. There he was in peace, as far as is known, for the greater part of the year and the day. End of Part 4